side. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but Naturalism wins at a half length to Viander Cross in a bumping finish. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and the High Gang Group. Talk to any country owner or trainer and they'll tell you the Tab Highway concept is bigger than the Everest. As soon as a horse strikes form in a country region, the trainer starts thumbing through the Racing New South Wales monthly magazine looking for a suitable Tab Highway at Randwick or Rose Hill. The owners of those horses can't wait to spend a weekend in the city and many of them are constantly trying to source the right kind of horse for future highways. A highway win has become a badge of honour for bush trainers who now have the opportunity to stand in the winner's circle on a major Sydney track. Most weeks the highways prove to be great betting mediums and the stories they produce for journalists and commentators are never ending. There's often an entertaining yarn to come out of the weekly tab highway. The midways cater for city and provincial stables whose horses meet the criteria. The tab highways are plainly and simply for the bushies, from the Riverina to the Western Districts, from the Hunter Valley to the Northern Rivers and the Tablelands. And all points in between, there are highway horses awaiting the call. Female jockey numbers have increased at the rate of knots in the last decade. The girls are making their presence felt all around Australia with perhaps the largest concentration centred in northern New South Wales. One of the busiest girls in the region, and certainly one of the most respected, is Rachel Murray, who's currently sidelined following a race fall at Tamworth in early May. Her mount clipped the heels of a horse in front when that horse shifted abruptly on her inside, giving her a very heavy tumble, and that incident occurred shortly after the start. Rachel travels massive mileage every year to honour commitments on many different tracks for a wide range of stables. And this has been the pattern from the commencement of her professional career 13 years ago. She's ridden 30 winners or more every season since 2010-2011 with one spectacular season in 2016-17. Her tally of 118 winners put her in fourth spot on the state premiership ladder and brought her the distinction of being the first female to ride more than 100 winners in the season in New South Wales, a record she still holds. She loves the job, she thrives on hard work, and as former jockey Mark de Montfort says, she's as aggressive as any jockey but patient at the same time. Mark said she has great composure and a fierce will to win, and de Montfort gave Rachel strong support towards the end of her apprenticeship. Time to welcome Rachel Murray to the podcast, and it's lovely to have you on board, Rachel. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, John. You do a fantastic job with this podcast, and I'm so honoured to be on it. Thank you. Pleasure is all mine, Rachel. You've written 561 career winners, which is glowing testimony to the talents of a little girl who grew up on a property near Inverell and didn't let up on her busy dad, Robert, 
until he agreed to buy her a pony. It was a little <laughs> grey mare called Susie, and she ignited the spark uh, that would lead to a very great career as a professional jockey. That's exactly right. Dad um, still has a letter to the day that I wrote him and I explained to him why him buying me a pony would benefit him. And it's um, in a beautiful like handwritten letter. And he's put it underneath between the glass and the timber table in his office. And it's still there to the day. I, I saw it the other day and I just laughed. I just thought, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, and we probably should explain uh, how that letter occurred. Dad was so busy, you couldn't get him to stand still long enough to ask him the question so you wrote to him. Yes, yep. So he would uh, sort of be gone before I'd wake up in the morning and um, sort of get home before and when I went to bed at night, after I went to bed at night. So I really never saw him much. And um, But I just wrote him a letter one day and I left it on the kitchen table. And when he came in, he seen it and um, obviously, like, thought that was very funny. But um, that's how I sort of, like, really, please, I want a pony. Your early life on the family farm makes for a lovely little story. That farm is called Hillcrest at Ellsmore near Inverell and it's a pretty big spread, Rachel, about 3,000 acres in the old. Uh, what did your parents do with that big property? Honestly, John, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, it is over 3,000 acres and there's just sheep and um, cropping on it. Um, oats and barley during the winter and corn and sorghum during the summer is what dad majority does. But my brothers are now taking care of, um, well, helping dad. So they're doing it together. Um, but yeah, no, they've, they've, they're just fantastic. Like, honestly, they're really good farmers. Um, they, through the drought, they, dad is pretty an optimistic fella at the best of times. And, um, he was just like, don't worry, it'll rain one day. So, mm. um, it just, they, you know, they fed all their stuff. They kept them all alive. Um, they're able to get through it fine um, and now on the other side like they're always sort of complaining about how much rain they've got so mm. it's um, obviously a tough life but they do a really good job and it is obviously a lifestyle they don't really do much else but um, but I, I love I love living on a farm and it was always a thing in my heart where I always felt like I was drawn back there and and um, I've got my own little place now it's only 20 acres but it's scone and mm. um, and honestly like just waking up to the birds chirping and things like that. Like, yeah. I know where I belong and I love it. I really love the mm. country lifestyle, that's for sure. Mum and Dad, Robert and Rosemarie, have had some wonderfully productive years on that farm. But like all farmers, they've had some very stressful ones. And you've got vivid memories, haven't you, of some of those oh. endless droughts? For sure. Um, I even, even to this day, like, I have short showers and... Um, you know, the girls always let me go first in the jockey's room because obviously I have like a quick shower and what have mm. you. But I think it's um, it's just been drummed into me such a young person and I think like it's obviously just kept – I've just kept on going like that throughout my whole life, not even really intentionally, but I just know like, you know, like, you know, water is scarce and things like that. Like um, definitely I've, – I've definitely seen the hard times, but mm. but it, it's, it's rewarding and it's beautiful and farming's mm. just um, – yeah, it's a way of life and it's something that I've always really held on to. Now, Rachel, tell me more about that lovely little grey mare called Susie who started it all for you. You were into Pony Club pretty early, weren't you? 
Yes, um, I started Pony Club on one of like a, a riding school horse. His name was Little Fellow, and he was um, he was beautiful. He was very very good, very push button, and that was nice. Um, and then I got a little grey pony called Susie, and she was a little bit naughty. Um, so I fell off her a lot, but because I just wanted a pony and I wanted to um, be a good rider and I wanted to ride horses and stuff, I really persevered. And she turned out to be really good mm. um, pony club. But, yeah, initially she was a bit green and would like would wet, rear up and whip around and be not very cooperative at all. But, um, but anyway, we got there in the end and... And she definitely taught me to ride, I think. Mm. You loved the faster pursuits, though, didn't you? Whatever was happening at a bit of speed, you were first there. Yeah. Well, um, I loved everything because um, I knew that, like, Pony Club, you sort of had to be good at everything. Um, but I did. I loved the show jumping. I loved um, the sporting events. And, mm. yeah, definitely a speed was involved with all that, isn't it? I'll say it is. Now, when you outgrew Susie... Her replacement was a chestnut quarter horse gelding with a white blaze called Levi. Now, early on, he was a disappointment, wasn't he? He was a real duffer. Yeah, he was a real duffer. That's a great word. Um, he he had these saddle sores on his back because when I got him, he must have, um, I don't know, must have been like, droving or something but he had an ill-fitting saddle so he had these saddle sores right at the below of his wither and um and I like I just had my saddle on him and they it fitted wrong and anyway so like if anything happened or he twerked to the wrong way went down a hill or something like he got really really painful so he would buck really really badly and um so eventually, as time went on, I got a really nice little saddle that was really soft on him and stuff. Um, but because they were so scarred, um, they were risen, so it was hard to find a saddle that he was comfortable with. Um, but eventually, that all worked out and worked out and things. Um, but he turned out to be a really great horse. He was um, champion everywhere he went, um, and even like like all that that jamboree and things like that. Like, he won me so many prizes, and mm. he was a real terrific, terrific old horse. Mm. You have a brother, Ross, and a sister, Sandra, neither of whom have the slightest interest in horses. Zero. Absolutely zero. <laughs> mm. um, we're a funny family. Like, Dad Dad and Ross just love the tractors and the bikes. My sister couldn't care about anything on the farm. She's um, She's got her own little business, um, um, with those um, reusable cups and earrings and a bit of an entrepreneurial brain um, in Noosa. So she's definitely um, the little outcast for our family. Um, mm. And my mum, she's just, she loves everything, so she doesn't mind. But, um, but yeah, no, it definitely a more of a machinery-focused family. But, um, mm. but no, I love, love the animals. This is the time to pay tribute to your mum, Rosemarie, who had the job of getting you to an endless round of horse events. She never once complained. She was an awesome mum. Never once. Oh, every weekend, like, she did not have a life. It was just literally probably my sister to gym um, gymnastics and stuff during the week, and just every weekend I was somewhere. And um, all those early mornings and late afternoons that she'd get back and stuff, that she was just mm. oh, worked so hard, get setting up the camps and 
and everything that I needed her to cut water buckets or do this or do that. Like she was just absolutely terrific. The best support you could ever possibly imagine. Mm. In your mid-teens, you started to think about a career path. First step was to enrol for a Bachelor of Agricultural Sciences course at the University of New England at Armidale. And you got that degree majoring in animal husbandry. That's no load to carry, Rachel. Yeah. Um, so it's funny how life changes. So all I wanted to do was work on the farm, like with Dad. I just, that's what all I wanted to do, just be on the horses and work on the farm. Um, and so that's where the university degree came into play and things like that. Um, and the things that you learnt in that course were very much like animal production and chemicals and glyphosate and all the sort of conventional ways. Uh, I think, I personally think probably the degree would be a bit different now, but um, when I did it at the time, like I kind of went through it and I learnt it, but mm. I I know now like some of the things is a bit outdated yeah. um, and I've sort of continued on because I really love like anything soil and agriculture and, um, you know, plants and stuff like that. Like I do understand the importance of the whole ecosystem in any sort of environment. Like I'm constantly looking at my place now thinking about how I can improve the soil for the yeah. more pasture maintenance and mm. how I can graze the animals in a certain way that isn't going to wreck the soil and stuff. So like it's one of those things that you can keep learning, but, um, but I went through uni but I think I've continued that study throughout like through ever since and it's definitely something that I'm still really really interested in but I do kind of disagree a little bit with the chemical side of yeah um like the weed management and things like I think mm. I know it's changing don't get me wrong I reckon they've changed the syllabus a little bit since then but um mm. I remember even at the time I my ears really like sort of pricked mm. then Mm. Um, just thought like, what's the actual effects long-term for all this? Um, and now it's come out obviously and everyone is widely known, but, but at the time I was sort of very curious and asking questions even back then. So, um, Mm. I knew that I just loved the soil and I love the holistic approach to it also. Mm. Um, that's definitely never changed. Rachel, you befriended a young lady at uni who happened to be an apprentice jockey and she would change the course of your life. Her name was Tracy O'Hara, and she was indentured to Frank Tanner at Armadale. What did she say to you? Well, I said that I needed a job, and she's like, well, do you ride horses? And Oh, she knew I rode horses because we were friends. And um, Mm. she's like, well, why not track work? And (laughs) that's how it all began. It Mm. began um, track work, and then I went to an approved rider and then an apprenticeship. But um, honestly, like, she was fantastic. She helped me everything she she came to every all the first race meetings of mine and mm. um helped me get all my gear together and yeah no she definitely was the one who steered me in the right direction because she's a fantastic rider um in yeah. her own right and, and in the country circuit and stuff like mm. I was so lucky to have someone like her to sort of like show me the way and and help me like she um she mm. really did it was I was I was very lucky to have her it's well documented that Tracy is a sister, of course, to Cathy O'Hara, uh, one of the best of Australia's female riders. And Tracy and Cathy created a little piece of history one day at a Gosford race meeting 
when horses they were riding in the same race dead-heated. A very special little piece of racing history. Isn't it the coolest? Um, I'm actually really lucky and it's something that I'll never get rid of, never like ever let go of. Um, mm. Kathy and Tracy both signed it, um, but they had it in a frame. Mm. And um, when I was there, I was just like, oh, would you mind if I had that mm. <laughs> to, to, to Kathy? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. As long as you look, um, never get rid of it. And I'm like, no way. So I, I've actually got their photo. It's just incredible. Like, mm. um, and they're both chestnut horses and, they're both on the exact same stride, mm. so all their they pretty like you could say, see it was two horses, mm. um, but but their legs were exactly the same, so it you only could see four legs. Mm. It's a, an amazing photo. So you've got the official photo finish print. It's ju- it's not the photo finish. It's it is the photo finish, but it's not like a. It's just the photo. It's not the mm. actual actual um with all the writing and stuff down the bottom. It's mm. just the photo. In, in a frame, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and you're very proud of it. I am, I actually really am. It's not widely known that you rode a picnic winner before you became an apprentice. Where was that and for whom? Um, so I think... Um, oh, John, now you're... They're all funny names. Those picnic tracks are funny, funny names, like Mullery, Mul- mm. Mulgery, or... yeah. Come by chance or... <laughs> One of those little meetings, yep. <laughs> One of those little meetings. Um, but, yeah, no, that was fun. Um, those barriers are, like, cemented into the ground. Um, mm. And when I was riding, there was no um, inside rail. They are just, like, these orange pegs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I think it was the first meeting that I ever went to. Um, mm. Like, obviously, Tracy took me and... Mm. and um, they had to chase like the cattle off the track from pretty much every race meeting because they, they were obviously curious and they kept coming over yeah. um, and things like that. Like you just, you, you, you recall it now and you're like, wow. Yeah. Great wow. memories. But, um, great memories. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. that was your picnic winner. And shortly after you became apprenticed to Frank Tanner at Armadale, Frank had only three or four horses in work and suggested you should go to a bigger stable. And when it was time to do that, you had a real stroke of luck. Yes, I was very lucky. Well, I, in my heart, I don't know what made me do it, but I remember at Gunnedah one day, um, Greg Bennett was just there and he and I was just always sort of idolised by him a little bit, like, oh, wow, he's such a good trainer. And um, I just literally said, I said, would would you, hi, Mr. Bennett, I'm Rachel, like, would you be interested in apprenticing me? And um <laughs> yeah. yeah, and him being him, very boisterous, and and he's just like, of course, let's talk about this. So he we went around mm. like the little corner where there's like common area with lots of seats and stuff, and he and he said, now sit down. Now what what do you want to do? Anyway, so that's how it all began. But no, I was really lucky to achieve, like get get him to mm. take me on and things. And um, no, he was fantastic. He's just a beautiful beautiful he- human being, and um, I think he did a fantastic job with his horses. And then, and for me, like. I loved my time with him because I really learned like it's not rocket science. Like, mm. you know, look after them, feed them well and work them properly. Like racehorses are, are really not that complicated. Um, mm. Like I've worked at some yards and things where you just think like um, lots of fluff and lots of new new things and stuff. But Greg was just so 
so basic and kept it simple. Um, and, and one thing, like, I remember him always saying was, um, you know how trainers, like, go through, like, you know, they say it's like the sort of the spinning the wheel, um, you mm. know, lots of luck and not so lucky. He said, it doesn't change. Like, you know, when you're having the lucky times, it's the exact same as the, the times when you can't train a winner. And um, it's true because, you know, the horses just probably aren't that fast or there's some gone out, babies have come in, like it just don't change. Just stay consistent and mm. and um, make sure, that, you know, the horses are getting cared for and the highest nutrition and things like that. Like he he, he was very simple but, um, but oh, he had so much success. We he had so much success together. He certainly did. Well, Greg didn't train your first winner, surprisingly. That distinction belongs to Bindi Cheers, who put you on a horse called Fuseichi Warrior in a 1,900-metre race at Armadale in April of 2010, and he bolted in. He did. He did. Um, he was only tiny, and I remember I remember that race. He just got such a great great run on the fence, and I think I was, like, probably behind one or two, and they just wriggled a little bit, and they just went straight straight through, and away he went. But um, mm. he won by a few lengths and stuff that day. And But what about your claim, like... I think that really helps horses. Mm. Like having those few kilos off and things like they, like, um, I really believe that, but it was good. It was really, it was really fun. That was a good day. You rode some handy horses for Greg Bennett, including Clickety Snip. You won four straight on that horse at one stage. Yeah. He's got the most beautiful owners in, um, Anne and Wall Latham, and mm. they're actually moving back there at the goal, uh, Queensland Sunshine Coast, I think, at the moment, but they're um, coming back to Scone, um, and they've just been in the horses. They breed them and they race them and stuff, and they just really love their animals. And um, so, Clickety Snip, he was he was theirs, and the horse, yeah, I don't know, the horse was just great. He was, mm. um, he seemed to, I know this sounds weird to describe it like this, but it was like he love me that much you just like you just sit there and hold on and I'll take care, care of everything else that's the and feeling you got exactly so yeah. I had so much faith in him he just he just he was good he was a lovely horse and I think he won over a few different um distances as well mm. and I think he gave me my first provincial winner maybe but um mm. but he was great to me he was a lovely horse and it was just so nice to share it with those owners too mm. um yeah, no, he was definitely holds a very special place in my heart, that horse. You spent the last six months of your apprenticeship with Michael Costa at Warwick Farm, who shortly after made the move to the Gold Coast. You rode a number of winners for Michael, including a horse called Exemption. You won three races on that horse, Rachel, at Kembla, Wyong and Newcastle. He was beautiful. He was um, very pretty. He had a massive white face and um, a few white socks and just a beautiful big horse. Mm. Um, he, again, had two, just two owners, um, and they were just a lovely couple from Wyon and, oh, no, sorry, Wollongong area. Mm. And um, he was beautiful. He, I rode him every day, and I think I think his maiden was at um, Kembla, but, yeah, he was very good to me too. Um mm. I just, I love the old, like, I, horses are cool, but those geldings that are just really kind, they're the favourite, they're my favourite horses to ride, I think. You won a couple of races for Michael Costa on a mare called Nip of Time, who later suffered a career-ending injury. 
And that was a dreadful pity because she had a lot of ability and I know you had a good opinion of her. I thought she was the fastest horse that I have ridden. Um, she was really, really good. And the way she could, like, main, um, maintain a huge, like, cruise, cruising speed, like, she was so fast out of the gates. Mm. She just railed like a greyhound and she was just lovely. Like, she um, she was just fast. She was a really nice horse to ride and it was very good for me, obviously, being an apprentice and stuff at the end of my time. But um, Michael did a great job with his horses. He treated them all very uniquely and... Um, and treated them, you know, like, you know, they were very special to him, I think. Mm. Like, he really tried hard and um, always asked lots of questions. And I love writing work for him. And I love being a part of that team, that's for sure. Mm. Um, he was a great young trainer. And he's obviously gone on to be incredible. And he's keep, and he will keep doing that. He, he, well, he's got a long, long career ahead. We read currently that he's about to embark on a new adventure in Dubai where he'll be under contract for a while. He's had a very diversified career, Michael Costa, including a stint as a stipendiary steward on the Northern Rivers at one stage. During your time with Michael, another Warwick Farm trainer, Mark de Montfort, started to put some rides your way, and Mark, who was a top jockey himself, became a very good tutor. In fact, I believe he still keeps an eye on your riding technique, and he'll send you a text from time to time. Yes, no, yeah, very, very good. It's like every sports person has a coach or a mentor or something. Like golf mm. players do, everyone does, but not many. Like, yeah, I think I think we need to emphasise that a bit more on jockeys because, um, you know, it's hard. It's mental, mentally, it's hard because you've sort of got to do your best you can, obviously, with the, all the... Yeah, the the prize money and stuff that's at stake now, I guess, for the owners. But but yeah, you do need help, I think. And Mark's been that for me. Um, always sort of, if I ever have a problem or um, not doing this right or something that's just not quite working, I ask him. And he and he's great. Like he knows he's been there, done that, understands it all. Um, always say like, you know, no, you did everything right. There's, you can't do it much more than that and stuff like that. And that's the sort of confidence that you need. You need to know that you're not. You're not doing anything wrong in a in a race. Um, that's him, like, yeah, not not letting them achieve their best possible um, position yeah. and things like that. So you just always, as a jockey, you always like question yourself and stuff. Mm. And it's always good to be able to talk to someone that knows and give really good positive feedback. So yeah, yeah. I'm lucky, and I feel like he's very very good for me. Here's a nice little flashback. You were in the right place at the right time one day in October 2019 when Digger McClelland was indisposed and you picked up a late ride on a horse called Profiler in the famous Jungle Juice Cup at Cessnock. That was a nice little race to win. Oh, it was great. Um, <laughs> definitely, that was awesome. He he was a bit of a um, funny horse, um, but the way the race run, he just got cover straight away. He dropped a bit. Mm. And then the speed was like really hot, obviously, and um, he he was just able to get a really nice run through, and he won really well. And that was great because um, yeah, because he can be a tricky horse. He's very hard going and stuff. And and honestly, everything worked out perfectly that day. And I'd really like to know the statistics on um, pickup rides and winners because I think that's very common 
Um, yeah. So I was very grateful for Digger that day. That was awesome. Horse called Petrosian from the Paul Perry stable was a pretty special galloper for you. You won four on him all up, including the winter dash at Tamworth. And that particular race brought up your 100th win of the season. You were flying that season. Yeah, it was really lovely to have all that support from great yards like that. Um, and Shannon Perry, um, Nathan's brother and obviously Paul's son, um, he was so great to me that entire year. Like he, like we're just best of friends, best, best of friends. And he was always like kicking up for me for rides and things like that. Um, I know um, when they had like little group meetings and stuff. Mm. Um and so it was so great to share it with him. He was there that day um, saddling up, obviously, and we got photos and things done. But um, but that horse, he was a barrier rogue, and um, mm. and I, um, Paul, just sort of wanted to try someone, like, you know, soft or something different on him. And um, it really yeah. worked because even though he was a little bit anxious and sometimes still red, but um, for some reason we sort of got along really well and mm. – um, he was good. He was a lovely horse and he was, um, yeah, no, really good to me. He, he tried so hard and that day, um, I forget the horse that he was on, but Robert Thompson, like he was on my inside and mm. it really favors the outside at Tamworth yeah. and the finishing photo of that, it looks like, um, Robert has won fair yeah. and square, but, but I did. So Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen that like, photo. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you looked like you'd been beaten the neck. It was for sure an optical exactly. illusion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, no. When that when my number come up, I was like, well, shocked, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I'll take it. Oh yeah, one hundred wins for the season. It was a special <laughs> yeah. moment. Chrysalis was. was one of your favourites, Rachel. You won yes. the two thousand sixteen Tamworth Cup on Chrysalis for your good friend Jane Clement, and wasn't it a tough win on the day? Yeah, it really was. Um, it, he is a great horse. She she knew from early, like as a two year old and stuff. She mm. she's always used to like say oh, like there's this really nice horse coming along, and she just mm. had so much passion for him. She loved him, loved him to pieces, um, and it really showed because he tried 150% every time he went out. Um, he had this little in, um, tendency of hanging in for a while and um and the owner um wanted like to try robert thompson on him and um so i'm pretty sure um rt won on him a few times as well but um mm. but as he got a bit older and stronger and stuff that he didn't hang in anymore and um i was mm. able to able to get back on him and he did he um he was so good to me that tamworth cup win was great and it was just such a great day and mm. great to share it with jane and her husband robert like it was just really nice um mm. he was a cool horse he definitely was you also won a country championship wild card on chrysalis at musselbrook and that qualified him for the final at randwick you rode him again he finished sixth not far away after covering a lot of extra ground from a bad gate yes yes um he was a great horse. He never knew how to not try. Um, I, I thought, I thought that wild card um, like win was just awesome. Like mm. they were good horses that year, and he, um, I thought he sort of like won with authority. Like he he got a great run throughout and what have you, and he won really well. But um, but um, yeah, it, but he didn't get beaten far that day in the actual like the final. Um, mm. But no, he great great horse, definitely definitely. A, 
Definitely Rose, one to remember, that's for sure. We'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll come back with you after this. Mitovite has been producing high-quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder, time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. Check the website mitovite.com or follow the Mitovite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitovite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world. My special guest is Rachel Murray. You went within a short neck of winning the 2017 Wyong Cup on a horse called the Getaway for Paul Perry and you were unfortunate enough to run into that marvellous old horse, Destiny's Kiss, who never stopped winning. That was a great day. And <laughs> what a great run by that horse because he does. He gets back, um, but he hates being cluttered up. Mm. And um, so, yeah, he got back and come around him and stuff on the point of the turn, but didn't he do a great job? An absolutely fantastic job for a horse with his racing pattern and stuff. We didn't change anything. Paul said that at the time, uh, before the races. He said, don't change anything. Just do exactly what you've been doing. And, um, yeah, nearly... Wasn't that going to be amazing? <laughs> you were associated with a special Tab Highway win at Randwick on a very wet day in 2017. Now, you won on a horse called Mr Spin, who was Mick O'Neill's very first starter as a trainer. Mick's trainer had retired and he decided to give it a crack himself. He must have been over the moon. Fancy winning with your first starter at Royal Randwick. Pretty, that's a um, fairy tale, isn't it? So he's first ever runner, and he took him down, and um, it was just bottomless that track. But the horse just loved, loved the heavy. The heavier, the better. And um, and he he just wanted honestly on the fence, nothing special. Everything sort of rolled off. He just sort of stayed um, probably probably three or four off the track that um, off the fence that day. But I mean, just because he loved it so much, he went through it easily, and and um, yeah. It was very messy when I got back, that's for sure, but, but what a cool horse. That was fun. That was a great day. You won another Tab Highway one day on a horse called Buddy Honest at Rose Hill for Alicia Bennett. Yes, um, and set up perfect for him. He's just obviously so fast out of the gates, front runner, short distance, um, and I think it's like horses that lead fence, at Rose Hill and 1100 metres there, like they very, very, very high statistics of that. I think they win. So anyway, he did mm. that. He, he'd begun well, he got to the fence and he led and um, he, he kicked on the turn and um, he won really well. It was a lovely horse. It was a great association with Alicia as, Alicia as well. Um, mm. She, I was writing work for her um, when she was bringing in from her property at Singleton to Musselbrook. Mm. So I was um, writing them all work and that's why I was extra special too. Um, he was a lovely horse and I was very grateful to be able to win on him like that. Um, it was her for a dad as well. 
yeah. for her dad and mum. So that was even more special. But, yeah, no, it was a lovely day. Early this year, you had half a dozen rides on a mare called Ah Well for three wins, two at Inverell, one at Corindai. She's trained at Moree by Peter Sinclair, with whom you've had a very good association. Two of those wins on Ah Well were in cup races, Rachel. Yeah, she's a very, very, like, beautiful bonnie mare. She um, tries so, 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 so hard. The only mm. thing the owner, like, always says to me, she's like, don't go between horses because she doesn't like it, um, which obviously proved to be um, – she definitely proved her maturity and stuff as at Corindai where she went through all the whole field. But, um, mm. but yeah, no, that's – she's a lovely horse and Pete's such a great trainer and she's only little and unassuming that um, – she has a heart of gold. She tries so hard, and and I thought that was a good field at Crandai that day. Um, and the way she won, like she got a great run through and all that. Um, but I think, yeah, no, she. I think she'll win a few more for them. That's for sure. Now to the little horse who has absolutely captured your heart, Mister Pumblechook, named after Charles Dickens' famous character in Great Expectations. You won two races on Mr Pumblechook for Greg Bennett at Gunnedah and Tamworth. Now, when he was retired after suffering a shoulder injury, you put your hand up to give him a home. In fact, you dealt with his owner, a very prominent person in Australian racing, in Mr Neil Werrett, part owner of Black Caviar. And uh, he's very heavily involved in the Australian racing industry. Neil would have been tickled pink to see him get such a good home. Oh, he he was great. Um, it wasn't a question. He I just always sort of said, I really want this horse when he's retired. That was well and truly before he was retired. Um, so when the day came, yeah, no, I definitely, um, within a couple of days, I was up there and I picked him up and I took him home and I was living at Central Coast at the time. Um, mm. And, yeah, and I've kept in touch with Neil every now and again, just sending him photos and updates and things like that. So it's yeah. been a great little association. But um, Mr. Pumblechook, he's very, very cool. Um, I know everyone loves their own little horse and stuff, but he's mm. just got such a great personality and he's been really great for me. Um, and I just love – because he was um, really hot and, like, he pulled hard and he always had the red – ready muffs on before the race, only went a 1,000 metres because he sort of burned the candle out too too mm. much early and stuff. But to see him now um, in his new profession and stuff like that, like he's absolutely beautiful. He's quiet. He um, he knows his job. He tries really hard. Um, and he's so different. Like he's and he's calm and quiet. So it's just a, just a beautiful testimony to see a thoroughbred change from the way he was to what he is now yeah. um i think it's it's just lovely to see um because they do love doing things and at the moment i've sent him away to my friend at dubbo just to look mm. after him by the time i'm off obviously i can't do anything with him but mm. he's the kind of force that um i feel sorry for the his friends in his paddock because he just wants to play with him constantly mm. um he, just, he bites their legs and he's just playing and if they got rugs on and he always takes them off, so he rips rugs a lot. Mm. Um, but he's just a fun, fun horse, and um, he's he's very special to me, John. Thank you. What level has he attained as a show jumper, Rachel? How high is he jumping? 
Yeah, so as I'm just a bit time poor and things, um, he has come along very slowly, like mm. admittedly. I'm not saying that he's um, come leaps and bounds in a short period of time, but um, mm. over the years and stuff that I've had him and things, he's up to a metre, a metre five now um, competing. Um, he, We have done a few clear rounds, probably got a few ribbons here and there, got a... Um, some fourths and some thirds and things like that. But, mm. but, um, he's, yeah, he's competing like the meter, meter fives now, um, and doing it well, um, still doing really well. But I, you know, I think if I could put some more time and education into him, like he'd do it a bit more bravely, but he's just mm. not a bit natural. Like he sort of like second guesses himself a little bit, like gets him really? a bit deep and, <laughs> and things like that. But, um, but no, as what I want as, as in a horse, like he's absolutely everything you could ever dream for. Wonderful. It may surprise some people that uh, you'd want to be riding horses in your spare time. Cathy O'Hara has the same affection for the show jumpers. She does, and honestly, all the girls do. Um, they do. They love the out on their own horses because it is, it is a passion and we love it. Um, and it is. For me, it doesn't feel like like you know riding horses in in inverted commas like it's not it's it's our it's our love it's our hobby it's mm. it's what we love to do and um it's just so relaxing and nice um yeah no kathy she has some warm bloods beautiful horses of her own actually they bred them um and they're fantastic but hopefully one day she'll get a retired racehorse um mm. that's my hope anyway um yeah no they horses are cool like i know lots of the girls have them um I don't think there's many girls that don't have a retired racehorse in their paddock at the moment. Mm. The ranks of female riders continue to grow. And you tell me there are times when it's a battle to fit into the lady jockey's room. Have you been conscious of the numbers increasing in the decade you've been riding? Yeah, of course. It's great. It's really, really great. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the days of like being strong as such like mm. I don't really believe that like I think the girls are just you know get so much out of the horses if the horse is going to win it's definitely going to win no matter what like um yeah no I, I I think we're doing such a fantastic job and it's and the respect that we have like now with the other male riders and the owners and trainers um like it's great like I think it's definitely on par like it's great now, Rachel, just going back to the Tamworth fall, and we won't dwell too long on this, but what was the actual injury list? Yeah, so um, my face was very battered and bruised, um, but it's absolutely fine now. Um, it's, it healed really quickly. I was surprised at how amazing the body is. Um, mm. So just the little stitches and stuff, the scars healing up, it looks really good. Um, but it's a rare fracture to have. Um, it's called the optical condyla it's yeah. at the base of the skull um it's just a little bone there um and it's from high impact um blunt trauma which mm. probably makes total sense of why what happened um <laughs> so yeah it's it's definitely painful because obviously where it is and things it sort of affects the whole body a bit um mm. but the but that's coming along fine um it just it'll take three months to come right but um the concussion, I think that was, like, I don't remember, A, the fall, I don't remember, like, probably mm. a good day or bit afterwards. Um, like, I can't recall it at all now. But yeah. but um, that first week, I, I couldn't keep my eyes open for more than five minutes. I was just so tired. Um, mm. If I 
I was just exhausted and I couldn't really stay awake for much longer than, yeah, like I said, five minutes. But, um, but no, time, as time's gone on, I'm much better now. Um, I can, I can pretty much do everything, but just obviously very steady. Mm. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually broken a bone in my body yet. Amazing, um, amazing. <laughs> so a major, major break. I have never broken a bone. So it was mm. just a tiny fracture at the base of my skull, um, so, yeah, no, a very, very lucky girl. At the time of the accident, you'd ridden 28 winners for the season and you'd had a wonderful trot over the previous two months. It came at a bad time. Yeah, that's okay. Um, is there ever a good time? <laughs> mm. um, no. So, yeah, no, it's fine. It, it happens in our game and, and um, it's definitely like a... Mm. One of those things where the horse just come out so abruptly and things that it just one of those things that happen and mm. and um, no I'm just so grateful that I'm okay. Mm. Well, as soon as you're back, you'll be back at the Scone Track riding work for trainers like Scott Singleton and Stephen Jones, uh, two prominent local trainers, and between them they give you plenty of opportunities. They do, and um, both of them, but Scott in particular, like um, I've worked for him since I've moved to Scone and him and Lucy, like they're great to work for. And I love, I love their training ways and things like that. Like it's a, I love being a part of their team. So um, that, that's really nice. And it's nice to have a, um, I, I like having a, a team, like a, being a part of a team. And um, they definitely like both those team, uh, both those stables, like they do make you feel like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's a good place to work. You've been blessed to have had no weight problems throughout your 13 years as a professional jockey. You can have regular meals, not big ones, but enough to keep you sane. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm a good doer anyway. Um, <laughs> so I might have to start thinking about what I'm going to, how I'm going to um, manage the weight a little bit before I get back. But um, mm. but no, I do. I love food. I'm, I love eating clean. I love eating healthy, but... Um, but just, I love veg. I love, yeah. I, I'm, I don't eat rubbish, but I do. I mm. love food. Um, mm. I'm very lucky like that, and I'm, yeah. I don't know how. I haven't actually been on the scale since I've had the accident, but um, but yeah, no. I feel a lot less tight and fit at the moment, but <laughs> in all the time, it's fine. And when I get healed, I'm sure I can start working it off again. But um, but no, it, it's nice to have a little break I've been able to achieve a lot um of all the little odd jobs and stuff around the house that I needed to organize and things like that so mm. it's been um productive in the short time that I've had off already but um yeah it's been good at 32 you're approaching your best years as a professional jockey are you happy to concentrate on the country circuit or is there a secret yearning to be riding more often on the city tracks no oh, of course John but um but no I love just um, doing my thing now in the country areas. Um, I've got a good client base and, and um, I mean, yeah, no, I love what I'm doing at the moment. Like I, I hate sitting in traffic and I hate the hustle and bustle of the city and stuff like that. Like don't get me wrong, I think it's anyone's dream to be a, a city class dro jockey, but, um, but no, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. I mm. don't need to compare myself to anyone else. I'm just on my own. Own, own competitor, so I, I love what I'm doing. So I'm grateful mm. for even the opportunities and stuff that I get to do around this area. Like, mm. it's nothing to, like, sneeze at. It, it's fantastic. The money's money's great. The horses are, like, you know, probably not as fast and what have you, but they all, every dog has their day. So, um, yeah, no, it, it's, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Do you realise, Rachel, had Tracy O'Hara 
not encourage you to become an apprentice jockey. By now, you might be selling wheat in vast quantities to the Australian government. Exactly. Or um, fine wool to the wool traders. Exactly. Um, yeah, no. And oh, I'd probably even have like a, an organic, um, biodiverse, uh, yeah, biodynamic, some sort of food production. <laughs> I don't know what I'd be doing, but no, it'd be very cool, whatever it was. It's funny how um, you look at those sliding door moments and see, think about what would have happened or where you would end up or what you've been doing. But, um, but my life's been awesome and I wouldn't change it for the world. It's been great. Great to hear you're on the mend, Rachel. I know you're itching to get back to the business you like best, the business of riding thoroughbred racehorses. Lovely to have you on the podcast, produced by Supernova Sound. Great to have a chat. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, John. Trainers strive to have horses spot on for race day. Fuel cells up, the right mental state, the right fitness levels. Equally important is the horse's capacity to recover quickly from racing and track work. The aim is to give owners every opportunity to win optimum prize money by keeping a horse in training for as long as possible. High Gain Recuperate is a powerful blend of electrolytes, B-group vitamins and vitamin E in paste form which can be administered after fast work and in the days leading up to a race to assist recovery. 30 mil of Recuperate drawn from the 500 mil bulk pack is the economical alternative to individual electrolyte and vitamin paste syringes. High Gain Recuperate powers performance and recovery. Visit the High Gain website and use promo code johntap.racing to receive 15% off your next Recuperate purchase.